You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It's Thursday, October 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, about to be joined by Brandon Marcello, National College Football reporter for 24-7 Sports. Brandon had a fun Wednesday. He was in the Dallas area to do a mock college football playoff selection. So they ran back the 2019 season, him and one other writer and a lot of ESPNers, including Heisman winner, Robert Griffin, the third, it sounded like Brandon and RG three didn't really see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So we'll get into that a little bit. All in good fun though. It's a fun conversation. I could have gone for a while with Brandon, but this is a short podcast. So, or it's supposed to be under 20 minutes. So we, we didn't go all too long. Uh, a few games tonight. Number 15, Coastal Carolina at Arkansas State, 630 Central on ESPNU. And then Houston at Tulane at 630 Central as well on ESPN. Kind of stinks that both those games are at the same time. Give me a late night. Give me a late night. Something to watch. We'll be back on Friday with Blake Brockermeyer giving our picks out for week six college football action. I am red hot, so you're not going to want to miss that. Anyway, let's get to Brandon Marcello. All right, Brandon Marcello joins us right now from his cell phone uh, at DFW. At the airport, Brandon, tell everybody and tell me where you've been and what your morning has been like. Yeah, I'm in uh, Dallas or actually Grapevine. Am I saying that right or Grapevine? Yeah, whatever. Grapevine, anyway, yeah. Grapevine, where the uh, college football playoff is based. And uh, we had a mock selection where members of the media, 13 members of the media were invited to take part in a uh, an exercise to figure out playoff contenders and the top 25 playoff rankings, much like the college football playoff committee will start doing in November. And we went through the same exact process, used the same same tools and equipment, and uh, it was quite enlightening. We're going to get to the results that y'all chopped up, and you, you tell me it was for the 2019 college football playoff, which was Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, or not Alabama, Oklahoma. LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State. But before that, you walk us through the process of of just what the all thirteen of y'all. You're, I'm assuming, in the room, um, maybe virtual though, because of COVID. Uh, but you're you're doing your thing. Was it was it boring? Was it like taking the SAT? Was it? Did you have fun snacks with you know co uh, fellow writers? Like, <laughs> what was your day like? Yeah, it was mostly it was uh, it's two writers, myself and uh, David Oven with The Athletic, along with a bunch of ESPN folks, uh, including uh, Robert Griffin, the third who just oh. joined ESPN, um, actually sat next to him the entire meeting. And it was Brandon, I've been you know, I've been trying to get him on the podcast. So I hope you got his card. But keep going. <laughs> well, he left the meeting early. He didn't get to vote all the way through. Uh, uh, yeah, but. What they do is they ask you, and this is what exactly they do with the committee. You're asked to come in with 30 teams to rank. And um, you don't have to rank them one through 30. You just have to have 30 teams. They usually actually ask about 35 or 40 teams just because once you start this conversation with your colleagues, there's going to be some discrepancies. And also, they're going to be needing to add some teams in the process as they try to figure out what the actual top 25 looks like week to week. So you come in. You bring in your 30 teams, you sit down at a, a laptop that is like chained to the to the table, pretty much, that everybody has in front of them, 
It's uh, specifically logged into this system that they've built where you enter your teams. And I was representing uh, Tyrone Willingham as a committee member uh, at the voting process. So I had his computer, his name tag, all that, all of his recusals where he couldn't talk about certain teams and enter, enter your, your teams in. And then the most common teams among those 13 uh, selections kind of are whittled down. And from there, I know it's getting boring, but from there you start going into kind of these uh, little pool systems where you take, you try to rank the top three teams, the top four teams, the top eight teams. And then you move on from down from there until you get to 25. And it's a very lengthy process. For example, today it took us about four hours in a typical college football weekend though. For these committee members, it takes 15 to 16 hours. They are very thorough. And uh, that was what's really most eye-opening to me. And we can get into this, but they're very, it's almost like, it's like, well, why don't they just rank them and take the average and everything? It's like, I guess the way I can um, describe and explain it is it's almost like it's calculus. We all know what the answer is, but we all have to show our work. And in doing so, we have to show our work to 12 other members in the room and we all have to decide the way you did it and the way I did it might be different in the way we showed our work, but let's combine it all and figure out and discuss this, how we can find a new way to reach this final uh, answer to the equation. It's, it's very, very complex. So it probably made you a little bit more sympathetic to the job they're doing. We always, I always just, you know, kind of roll my eyes at these people getting in a big room and grapevine and just locking away and watching the games and, and ranking the teams. And I know they, they had you out. So it's, you know, that's probably what their motive was to public relations show off how, how difficult this is and, and let you walk through their footsteps. But did you, was it, is that one of your takeaways? Uh, uh, maybe this is harder than I would have at least thought. Yeah, because you are literally discussing every single team that could potentially be in the top 25. You're not just talking about the top four talking about the top 25 and you're talking about 40 to 50 teams and you're trying to figure out one, how to rank them, but also who's deserving of being in there. And then you're also at the follow these protocols of this criteria that, you know, head to head matchups. The other thing I should mention is they have a tremendous set of tools at your disposal for information where you are like, we're sitting at this, in this conference room, this big conference room, and there is someone there kind of running a projector for you where you can just ask for information and that person will get it for you and put it up on the screen. So whenever we have arguments, we would go, I want Michigan and Alabama on the screen showing me their analytics and their, their, their strength of schedule and everything, you know, their points per points per drive, things like that. And they'll just quickly bring it up. It's really amazing. I wish I had that on Saturdays watching games because you just go, I want this. And they pop it up on the screen for you. And really it goes like that. You go through seven rounds of voting. You go, this is how it goes. I'll just mention this briefly. Round one, you select the top three teams. Round two, the next three. Round three, the next three. And then after that, you do four, then four, then four, then four until you get to 25. And then you go after you go through that, you go through this entire situation where you have to figure out, okay, now that we got those 25, is there anyone we're wanting to move up and down? And by the way, while you're going through those process of seven rounds, you can 
discuss and argue it and everything and then have a re-vote. And then there's also ties that happen. We had several ties in our voting process during this. And there was some interesting movement during that. We had one team, a very powerful team that some fan bases, if they knew what was going on behind the scenes, they would have been upset to find out that this one team dropped like, I mean, look here, they dropped, I believe, two or three spots. And this took them out of contention for a New Year's Six Bowl. And it's a blue blood program. So it's amazing how talking amongst yourselves and digging deeper into the data, how you cannot just change your own mind, but it's changing the mind of the other people in the room. Now, of course, we're in a situation where we're looking at the 2019 season. So we kind of have fair or not preconceived notions of what a team looked like. Right. But in the regular season, when things are developing as they go along, there are still moments as Gary Barta, the Iowa athletics director, who's now the head of the committee, he was there today and he was the head of the committee, this mock selection committee. And he told us about how, you know, this happens in the room. We discuss things and we might add a team to the top 25 that wasn't really on the board, so to speak, early on. And they end up moving up because we start looking at the, the analytics. We start asking people for more information on it. And they might move a spot or two up higher than maybe we would have thought. So it's very interesting because it's these people obviously take their jobs very seriously. But it's, it's also something that can be much more complex. And as one, some, one someone in the room asked, he goes, is there almost an information overload here? And Gary said no we should be thankful that we have all this information at our fingertips because we do not want to be misinformed or ill-informed when we're making such important decisions because to them, deciding who's number 25 to number 21 is just as important as trying to figure out the New Year's Six matchups. I'm glad they have all those analytics at their disposal. Did you did y'all get the same top four as as the actual committee had in 2019? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't different at all. And that was a pretty clear cut year, other than, you know, back in 2019, if you guys remember, I mean, LSU was like invincible, but at the time Ohio State looked pretty darn good. And there was a conversation about LSU or Ohio State at number one. And we had the same exact thing happen today. We were we were arguing back and forth about that, but our top four actually ended up being the same, same order and everything. What was interesting though, Trey, is that we took the 2019 top four after we decided that, and then we had to decide where to put them in the playoff. And this year we used this year's bowls. So the orange bowl and the cotton bowl. And so we had LSU versus OU and we're like, do we send them to Dallas or do we send them to Miami? Well, we had a long argument about this, about it, because my assumption or my thinking is LSU would rather go to Miami because it's further away for OU to travel because they had just been in Dallas in the Big 12 championship game at that point. And they'd be returning there to a field they're accustomed to and their fans are closer for travel. Well, we had some people in the room go, no, LSU would want to go to Dallas because that's where a lot of their family is and they would probably want to play there anyway. And my whole thing was, is there's competitive advantage there where you've never played, you haven't played there this season. OU just played there and for OU, their fans would be able to travel easier. In the end, we decided to slot LSU against OU in Miami, but we had to have a vote a couple of different times about it, or at least once. But, and, and it wasn't as close, or as you, I should say, 
as lopsided as you would think. I think there was like four or five people thinking that LSU should go to Dallas, even though LSU should have the advantage as a number one seed. And Bill Hancock, the director of the college football playoff, told us that they've never had this issue come up ever in a year because they've never had two teams that are like in that type of situation for a site, a site for when the semifinals. And if that happens this year, that might, if this was 2021 and this was going on, selection on that selection Sunday, this would be a huge thing for fans to really be upset about potentially. Could you imagine if they sent LSU to Dallas and OU was a four seed and they're three hours away? That would have been a huge thing. And here's the thing. The committee, they decide where to send you. The schools have no input really um, when this when this is all going on. And so we decided discussing and throwing out ideas to Gary Barta and Bill Hancock, like, here's how you can remedy the situation. Pull all 130 teams and ask them in the preseason, before the season even starts, before they even know what they're going to do that year on the field, and ask them, if you are in the playoffs, which of the two sides do you want to play? Okay. And so whatever they decide in the preseason, that's where you're going. So in the preseason, LSU may very well have said, we'd like to go to Dallas because it is closer than Miami, but they wouldn't have known they'd been playing OU. No. And so we might have seen LSU, OU, and Dallas, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, it's uh, give, them the, give them a say like, like they're doing in Major League Baseball right now. You, you can choose who you play or you can choose where you play. Uh, last thing for you, I, I know you got a flight to catch. Any other surprises or, or big arguments outside of the top four that you saw in full today? Did you and RG3 get into it about anything? Yeah, we argued quite a bit about a lot of things, but there's two teams that really stuck out. We had Alabama about where they were finished in the poll in the first place. Remember, in 2019, Alabama lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl and and dropped. And But Auburn went just ahead of them by one spot. I think it was 12 and 13. Well, there was arguments to be had by people saying that Alabama should be over Auburn. In fact, Robert Griffin III thought Alabama should be over Auburn, despite losing head-to-head just the week prior in our rankings. But here's the thing. We and kept, you're like, hey, man, I was at that game. That, yeah, well, listen, no one was really listening to me in that that room. I was like, <laughs> I saw that game. I Yeah. So anyway, there was discussions about that. And then we kept comparing Alabama to Notre Dame. Michigan, and also Auburn, and pulling up these analytics, their top 25 matchups, all that stuff. Long story short, I think we did two revotes. Alabama dropped two spots to 14th in the poll when they were 12th and eligible, so to speak, for a New Year's Six Bowl, even though they wouldn't have made it because Memphis was the highest group of five champ, and they uh, were ranked 15th. So Alabama dropped twice when we revoted. They dropped each time instead of actually jumping up. It was almost like we were talking ourselves into it. We kept looking deeper, deeper in Alabama. We're going, you know what? Their strength of schedule was kind of weak. And they didn't beat the teams that they had a chance to beat. LSU and Auburn being ranked at that time. And secondly, the other team that really stuck out was Utah. And this wasn't a big thing. Back in 19, Utah was number five in the country going to the Pac-12 championship. Oregon just demolished them, okay? And Utah dropped in the rankings, of course, but we they tumbled in ours. They dropped 11 spots to 16 in, in our rankings. But outside of that, it was a pretty, pretty good rankings. It was pretty close to what actual the final rankings were, which surprised a lot of us and surprised Bill Hancock, the playoff uh, committee chairman. But um, 
I thought the most interesting thing was seeing Alabama fall as far as they did when we were doing revotes, and all of us were thinking that maybe Alabama would actually jump, and they end up actually dropping two more spots. That's two really interesting uh, scenarios that are kind of different because it's uh, you said it, you, you said it, you're trying not to, but it is hard to separate what you know about those teams now and and try to pretend that it's the first week of December when you're voting. But you know, you guys are like, hey, you know, Mac Jones is at quarterback now. I know we're supposed to account for injuries, but we know he's gonna be pretty good. And then they they end up dropping. Yep. And then Utah. I mean, if anyone watched the that Alamo Bowl. Texas versus Utah, Utah wasn't even competitive. So that's probably, I'm not surprised that in hindsight, they would have dropped with all of you guys having that in the back of your head. That's all. This is, this is super fascinating, Brandon. We, uh, we appreciate you joining us. I, I can't wait to, I could do this for an hour. So, but, uh, I know you got a flight to catch and we're a short podcast, but, uh, thanks for joining us and, uh, congrats. This is, sounds like an exclusive club, man, on, uh, getting to part this. <laughs> It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm very glad and, and blessed that I was uh, invited to to even be thought of and be invited for this. It's pretty fun. Okay, appreciate Brandon talking to us. Anytime you get a guest to talk to you on the phone at the airport, which is a always a stressful place for me to be. Oh, am I going to miss a flight? Do I need to get to the gate? Do I have time to go get a water? Go to the bathroom? I appreciate that. It sounded like he found a quiet place to talk. It sounded like he wasn't stressed about anything. Maybe he got there really early. That's another thing. I recommend. I'm a two hour early guy. So that's, that's how I roll. Anyway, uh, our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Once again, we will be talking to Blake Brockmeyer for Friday's episode of the college football daily, breaking down the big games, giving out some picks, make sure to join us then. See you soon.